Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought, not division in community, and where we want to provide a time and a space for you to remember how to think, but not tell you what to think. I am your co-host, as always, Matt Fisher, creative director at Hill City, where we record this in every episode of the podcast, and I just wanted to chime in real quick to let you know that this episode is part two of a two-part conversation with Mr. Darren Patrick, author and pastor. Uh, It is the next installment in our series this month on the term, the phrase, the idea of masculinity. So I'm going to kick it over to my past self with John Wagler and Darren Patrick. The conversation is already in progress. Darren, how do you... So you have three daughters and one son. Um, You had mentioned last night uh, while we were having dinner that you guys had gone hunting recently. How do you, when it comes to like the reality of life, things you do, right? Um, how do you sort of like delineate the idea of masculinity and how it applies across your different children? So like if one of your, so you and your son went hunting, so let's suppose that's a masculine thing to do, but like one of your, your daughters wants to go hunting, would you consider that like, oh, this isn't masculine. This is just like people like to do things together. Or would you be like, yeah, it's okay for you to want to do them in the same way that you would tell your son, if you want to join dance team, like join dance team. That's fine. I assume you would do that. Um, And you would do the same for your daughters across that line. But like, how does that work when it comes to parenting different kids and applying that? Because I think one of the things that we've learned, I don't know if you've ever read, um, uh, Why Gender Matters or any of Leonard Sachs, uh, his stuff. We read it together. Um, he makes a really great point. I don't agree with everything in that book, but he makes a really great point that like one of the big things that we see with gender dysphoria, the sort of like rash of gender dysphoria that we're experiencing in our culture is that um, it's kind of like stems from girls being told you can't do this and boys being told you're not allowed to do that. How do you navigate that in terms of masculinity in your own home or just like with your church family or so so i took my son hunting my oldest daughter is actually asked to go hunting um although i don't think she would like it i think <laughs> she would have struggle and we were kind of worried about it for my son because this is really his first trip but i don't think there's specifically um masculine and feminine activities so i parent you don't parent your children you parent your ch- your each child right and they're all different um so I do think what I have noticed is that my daughters enjoy, um, you know, food and conversation, whereas my son really enjoys activity and competition. Now, my youngest one is very competitive and likes to play and likes to roughhouse, so she's different than her two sisters. Um, but I, I don't think there's – I think what you were getting at, Matt, is there are specifically masculine things. And I don't think there are, but I do think, like, if you did a stereotype, um, I don't know, if you wanted to say, like, certain um, – most men, mm-hmm. da 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 most women – I think stereotypes sometimes are there because they're true-ish. Mm-hmm. Not always, but – there's exceptions, but a lot of times it's because they prove the rule and we can use that to marginalize and, you know, 
harm and abuse, but sometimes it is what it is. And I think that some, there are some activities that lend themselves towards most boys or most girls. But I try to, we do a lot of stuff together and try to just, you know, as a parent, you're just trying to figure out how to keep your kids entertained and get them educated and have, help them have fun and, and connect to them. So whatever it takes, you know what I mean? Like if, but I, I'm encouraging my son to get into music and to get, like get into his friends do these raps and they send them to each other. So he's getting into beats and um, rhythm. And, and so I'm really encouraging him that way. And he's also a select baseball player. He's a really good baseball player. Um, so I'm like, okay, let, but I'm like baseball, very few people are going to, yeah, that's great. What else are you going to do? What, what are you going to do in the arts? So I'm always doing that with, with our kids. And we've seen this, you know, the book, <clears throat> why, why gender matters. Like he gets into a lot of things around that from some of the research that they've done with the differences between boys and girls at certain ages and what they like and don't like, you know, I've heard parents do things like, Hey, I don't want my son to play with trucks. I want him to do other things. And, and like, but maybe he just wants to play with trucks, you know? And like, that's or dolls. An element. or dolls. Yeah, absolutely. Like if he wants to dress up dolls, like that's cool too. And, and I think sometimes, but there is a reality. I think Sachs said at one time in the book, he said that like boys fight like 25 times more than girls do that. There's something just kind of ingrained. And then boys become friends afterwards. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, but you know, it happens, but like, so there is something there where there's some leanings. I know you've talked about it with your own kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You- yeah. It's funny. We're Jenny and I are, are interesting. Uh, Cause we're like, for all intents and purposes can be insufferable progressives. <laughs> so our whole thing from jump street was like, Oh yeah. Like, the, you know, Clarabelle's going to play, is going to like love comic books and superheroes and, and like, She's going to play with action figures and baseball bats and, and Cash is going to learn to, um, you know, enjoy all sorts of toys. And if he wants to play with Barbies, he can play with Barbies. And we're real like, you know, agitated that there's the girls section of the toy aisle and the boys section of the toy aisle. And I would say that's still agitating. But Cash tends to be a little more fluid in his interests. He li- I mean, he's at the age where he likes video games. And I think that that's just kind of like boys and girls kind of experience that just nowadays. Um, well, and it's a good bonding thing for you guys. Right. And, and I, yeah. And it's one of those things where it's not like, I oh, go play video games, leave me alone. I like video games. So <laughs> yeah, we yeah. play video I'm games in. together. I'm right. In. Yeah. Um, and, but he tends to be a little more like he will play Barbies with his sister. He will, he is interested in Jenny's clothing and her shoes and like all that stuff. Clarabelle <laughs> couldn't care. I mean, she, if you give her the option of every color in the world, she will pick pink. If you now it's purple. If you give her the option of all the things in the world to do, she will want to color and the thing she wants to color is a unicorn. Like she wears a unicorn headband every day. Like she was given the option and what she chose was girl <laughs> stuff. Was, you know, what we traditionally consider yeah. girl stuff. Um, so it was interesting to kind of watch. And I think that was one of the things that like pushed me to read some of that sax stuff and some other things on it was I set them up to be nurtured as non 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 gendered in a way of like you can like what you like and like we're not going to tell you otherwise and one of them is a little more in between and then one of them is like super gendered in the things she likes (laughs) um so that was that was very interesting but one of the things that we i know struggle with and and you are besides an author and a a masculinity expert (laughs) you are also (laughs) not true strike the record church pastor and and have been involved in growing churches one of the things we struggle with here that i'd love to hear your thoughts on is like 
we have this massive uh, event every year called uh, Galentine's Day, which Galentine's Day is kind of a thing now. Yeah. And it's wildly successful. It's like 400 people show up, and it's a lot of people that do – women that do not go to this church. Um, the straight women, gay women, like all sorts of different types of women come to this thing. We cannot figure out what the Galentine's equivalent is for men because it just seems like, you know, if you do like – we're going to do a Final Four – watch party guys like me are going to be like no thanks you know whatever i'm not going to do that and there's enough of me's that it's like yeah it falls a little flat when you try to do axe throwing or a hunting trip or or a um, camping trip or a something that is like traditionally masculine but then at the same time like you know we're not most of the other guys are not going to want to sit around and play dungeons and dragons or like whatever weird thing i like to do (laughs) uh me and me and my type you know or like pontificate on poetry or music or whatever. Um, so in your experience, just dealing with large groups of people um, in the context of a church, like what have you seen work for getting men together and doing things? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the issue is what, you know, another way to say it is romance and relationships unite most women. Okay. Uh, I think, um, creativity and competition unite most men. Mm, interesting. So I think if you can create environments where there is creativity and competition, you get almost all the men. So, and I think churches do not understand that. And so they, you like you said, they devo- I've done so many men's events, and it's like now it's it's axe throwing. Or, I mean, it's it's it, and there's all these games and all that. But there, and so you're competitive, but there's little creativity. There's no room for, you know, someone who's wired like you are, Matt. And, 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 or, you know, our church was hipsterlicious. You know, we had all, so we did all these f- philosophical current event discussions and all, you know, we had all this kind of stuff that attracted the, um, you know, guys like you. And, um, and, but the, but the dudes wouldn't show up, the bros or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, so I think that, but I think when you can blend those two, and 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 also, it's just, you know, I hate to say this, but it's just easier to gather women. They like to be together. Uh, that's they like they, and it's a vulnerability thing. They're more vulnerable typically than we are. They just are, and so it, they don't have a problem showing up in someone like I don't. Who's going to be there? Like I don't know. I'll, I'll, we'll figure it out. Guys, like who's going to be there? Or I'm not coming. <laughs> like so, I think there's a. I think those two things, creative and 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 competitive, in a in a in a right sense. I mean, you can be crazy with both of those, right? But I think that's. But I mean, I mean, the truth is, the biggest ministries in the church are usually the women's ministries and the children's ministries, and you cannot, for the most part, it's a struggle to get the guys to do anything. But churches who do men well understand that creative and competitive thing, and they go after it and they target it. And they're not ashamed of it. And I think that that is, I so agree with the Me Too uh, praise. I mean, my wife experienced some crazy stuff in college from an abusive professor. My girls have had to deal with that. So I am like, I'm a, what's the new uh, hashtag, girl dad. And I'm a protector of my my ladies and, um, you know, all women. But I think the negative component of that, the, 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 uh, the, um, backlash or not the backlash, the overreaction is kind of what you were saying, John, which is, Oh, anytime you go after that, that's a, you're, that's toxic. 
And I think that is the – we have got to nuance our discussion because if we're going to engage men, we're going to have to, like, p- program it and plan for it and speak to it. And it's not and, – and it can't be this deal where everybody's going, oh, my gosh, the women are being left out because, you know, why can't the women come? Like, that's what I hear a lot. I've, I'm, I'm working in a couple of churches. I'm like, we got to get the men's culture going here. Your, your women's conference has 2,500 people with a wait list. <laughs> And I went to your men's thing, and there's 175 in a church of 15,000. That's a problem. Well, okay, so let's have some specific. Well, we don't want the ladies to get I'm like, then you don't want to reach men. You're going to have to make some unpopular, currently cultural decisions if you're going to reach men nowadays. Back in the day, you didn't have to make those decisions. We had to make decisions on how to respect and honor women and, and engage them. I think now the backlash is the other way. And I think too, Matt, even from like, you're a competitive person, mm-hmm. you know, like we always, you know, we joke about, you know, the four and all that, yeah. but like you're a competitive person, you know, and there is some truth, not some truth. There is truth to the reality of competing in men, not that I like Lacey's super competitive too, but like there is something to it of the gathering of men in those capacities that does drive it and i and i also believe on the creative side it does too there's more men that have creative things that get essentially suppressed just because of culture or the dominant you know language and even when you think about how the lack of men gathering or the delayed adolescence in men and stuff like that that happens and it's it's so accepted and that feeds into the toxic masculinity with um you know, the bro culture and all that other stuff too. There is also, you know, I was thinking about what is it? First Corinthians 13, where Paul says, when I became a man, I put off childish things. And so many of the things of just becoming a man, I I think in the masculinity part is a lot of men don't even understand how to put aside childish things. Mm, Right. And, and a lot of that stems from the lack of men (laughs) in their own life. Um, you know, I've been very vocal about, um, my my dad issues, you know, with my biological dad, not my my dad dad that I call my dad, but my biological dad of just coming to grips over the past five, six years about, man, it's by the grace of God that I made some of the decisions that I made, you know, that almost makes me feel lucky, you know, that I made them. But I also, I had some other men of like friends that I looked up to and I kind of like took it in because there was like some lacking just from my biological father and how I viewed love and all that other stuff. It That's such a common story that uh, a man, your typical guy, like if like we're about to do this big emotional healthy stuff, right? In our discipleship, the typical guy is not going to sign up for that. And, and so, or the conversations like you and I have just about like digging into wounds and digging into these things. I mean, we're by far in the minority, like you know, and and it and it reveals itself in the community. It reveals itself throughout the church, and it reveals itself. And so, whereas women are just, I don't want to say I mean inherently, maybe it's just me more culturally. Like they are more willing to dig into these things. Well, they're more emotionally mature. Uh, I don't understand that, and I just go back to design. I think we have to, like, progressives want to throw off all designs for male and female. I don't think we can read Genesis one that way. I think there are some inherent biological, chemical. I mean, there's a reason why boys fight 25%, whatever. It's called testosterone. Sure. It's not, This it's a science, man. I mean, so I think we have to own that and read those texts and go, wait a minute. There are some differences here 
Now, and those get exacerbated in the culture in non-helpful and unbiblical ways. But man, I mean, I love what you said. We like we need dads. Yeah. And so I would say to every man that's listening to this, which is probably what ten percent now. Is that what we're getting at? I'm trying to do the math here. <laughs> Be a dad. Like, like that's your goal. Not just a biological dad. There's a lot of guys that need dads and older brothers. That's what we need. That's what we don't have. We don't have people that are saying, I'm going to gladly accept my role as a mentor and as a father or older brother. That's what's missing. I think that's the problem more than anything. I mean, and, and statistically, and I don't have all of them, but I'm studying Bradford Wilcox has done a ton of work in this area. He's very balanced and he's research-based. I mean, it over and over and over again, if dad is not present, it's trouble. And I think that, and, and just like you, man, I had the same thing. Um, abusive dad, you know, gone. And then he was like gone emotionally and then he was gone physically. And so, but I had two uncles and I had a coach. We were talking about our coach, mm-hmm. you know, like without that, I don't know where I'd be. And then I have a pastor now who's a spiritual dad to me. And I've got another, I actually got two, two of these guys and they're in their sixties. I talk to him all the time. I just talked to my, one of my pastors, Hal, right before I came, like, I need that to this day. And I'm in my forties. Right. And I just think that that's the culture we need to create in church, multi-generational mentoring where everybody takes responsibility to, to be a mentor, to be mentored. That's the way forward. Yeah. I even think, I mean, how many conversations have we had with you and I both know scores of incredible single women in our church, right? That, and they, the language is always the same. Where are all the good dudes at? Yeah. So yeah. that kind of leads into something I wanted to talk about as far as saying good dudes. Um, let me let me give a wonderful quote from one of my favorite movies that's totally underrated. It's called Gross Point Blank. Oh, if you have not. Love that movie. Come on, Matt. I knew mm-hmm. we'd connect on that. I'm feeling those. Untouchable soundtrack. Uh, uh, these Enneagram 4 vibes are flowing. <laughs> can you feel them? Listener, can you feel it? Where are all the good men dead? In the heart or in the head? <laughs> so good. Um, so do you think that part of it, so when we talk about good, this concept of good dudes and bro culture and all this stuff, Darren, do you think one of the issues with specifically in the church, so now we're, we're zooming in from larger culture to church culture, do you think one of the issues of not getting men to come to church or not getting men to engage in church is that once men dis- make the decision to either put aside childish things or become a Christian and start to want to live more like Jesus, they don't understand how to hang out together anymore because the way that they hung out together before was we call it locker room talk or they, the only way dudes knew how to hang out together was talk about maybe sports or whatever they're into um, and then talk about girls in a way that after you become a Christian, you realize is not a good or or just after you grow up a little bit i don't even know if you have yeah. to necessarily become a christian you really shouldn't talk about women a certain way um do you think that's part of the thing is they're just like well for me it was the it, it was never the locker room it was like the tour van like things that were said in the van when we were on tour good lord yeah i just carry shame around <laughs> but do you think that's part of it that like once once men make the decision to to get it try to get it together a little bit and be a little more respectful and be a little more thoughtful. They just don't know how to hang out with one another anymore. Um, I definitely think the conversation 
has to change, but like, you know, I, okay. So every Thursday morning at 6 a.m. I have a men's Bible study and I travel a lot, but on Thursdays, typically I'm in town and, um, there are guys, there are, we don't have any like atheist. Well, he's agnostic. I would say, uh, there's, there's, there's that guy. We've got a guy who's getting his PhD in historical Christianity and then everywhere in between, we've got chefs, we've got, um, TV personalities. We've, I mean, it's all over the map. And what I would say is, um, you have to learn to engage guys where they are. Like, like part of it is if you can't, like, I just tell this, I say this all the time. I, and my wife, I try to help her understand how men think. And she's just like, what, how do you, her phrase is, it's from a movie. How do you guys walk around with those things? I think that was a Seinfeld <laughs> reference actually talking about the male anatomy because it's just like the you get in a fight and then you hang out after what I wouldn't speak to her for ever like I think we have to tolerate dirty jokes I think we have to tolerate locker room talk and when I say tolerate I don't mean endorse I just mean if you're going to get a guy you've got to be patient with him it's it's how it's it's just is and I think that there is no tolerance right now for process with a man he's either got to be perfectly mature or cancel culture is out. And I just think like I think the cancel culture thing is really harmful in this in this way because I think we write guys off that are in process and an athlete makes a stupid mistake or sends a stupid tweet as a as a I just like that whole thing. I just it's it's guys are a mess and they know they're a mess and they and they give one hint hint of vulnerability and then they make a mistake and then we we write them off. And so I just think we have to like be patient. Now we don't, we, we meet them where they are and we take them where God wants them to be. Right. So it's not like we just go, oh, just stay, stay, say stupid things forever. No, but I'll just say in that Bible study, there's things I'm just like, Oh Lord, did he just say that? Do I correct that? Do I, do I pull him to the side after? I mean, I'm always in those conversations and anybody that deals with men is now, I was a chaplain for a professional sports team, the St. Louis Cardinals for five years. So literally the locker room <laughs> was my ministry with multimillionaires and guys, most of whom were not married and had any woman they wanted in any city they, they found themselves in. Um, I will just say that I saw a lot of people, I saw a lot of people in that clubhouse transform. And my wife worked with the wives and the girlfriends. So we were up close and personal with, you know, the prototypical, uh, you know, Bro culture, I mean, baseball culture is bro culture to the max with a lot of zeros behind it, you know? And I, and I just think that um, there is a patience, there is a right tolerance, and then there is, a, is an appropriate challenge that happens relationally. Um, and that's how I see guys change. I mean, we've got a chef right now. He's one of the, he's a James Beard uh, uh, award winner. Like he's legit. If you know what that is, if you don't know, now you know, Just Google it. Um, he's amazing where that guy started versus where he is now a year and a half later is one of the most dramatic transformations I've ever seen in my life, ever in my life. But if you looked at him and like it, you would be like, is that guy a Christian? <laughs> he is. And he's growing. He's still a mess, but a year and a half, he's totally different. And I just think we have to be patient with people. So I want to make a delineation. Let me, I'm going <laughs> to, I want to chime in. Well, actually, no, you go first. I'll, okay. I'll chime in. Well, 
this is almost a pushback, but not quite. Um, so I think that you're right on on a personal level, right? Um, so that patience is important for anybody who's processing, especially if you know they're processing. But when we talk about stuff like cancel culture, now we're going from the micro to the macro, right? Like you and I sitting here having a conversation versus people having large cultural conversations. And I guess my thing is like, haven't we been patient? <laughs> like, how many more thousands of years of men <laughs> acting the way that we do do we have to wait? Like, there has to be a I'll point. I'll give you an example. Which... So Matt Damon, after all the Me Too stuff comes out and they start like, he, he makes the statement, something along the lines of, um, sometimes things are said and they're not meant to make. He basically just said, people make mistakes and listen, there's a cultural vibe here that, that you're not entering into. And he was destroyed and he had to then recant, which probably wasn't really his true. It was a publicist. Yeah, it was a public. Yeah, a publicist. So that's what I'm talking about, where where you try to push back at all. And like, I just think it's, a, I think it's the height of arrogance to believe that, that your version of cultural pushback is pure and true and right and I think that is the self-righteousness that we have to come against as Christians because we have a, everybody has a viewpoint. Everybody has a perspective. There are, but we have, what I'm trying to say with that and speak again, speak to is we have swung so far that it's like, okay, well, I think that, you know, your argument is a bad argument to say, well, thousands of years we've done this. So now we can, now we can be idiots on the other side. And I just think the Christian prophetic voice critiques, you know, the, the hard right and the hard left, if you want to use those terms. And I think that we have to maintain that prophetic voice and at the same time go, it's about damn time we're keeping men accountable. It's about time powers being confronted. It's about time women are getting the dignity that they deserve as image bearers of God. I, th I think somewhere in there. Well, that comes, that comes into play, too, when you're – obviously, when you talk, like, general culture versus Christian culture, there's two separate – complete separate conversations. What you were saying, Matt, is more in, like, general culture with everything. For sure. Yeah, and and I think – and, and of course, and Darren's responding to that, and, and we can get into that part of it. And some of that's expected, though, right? It's going to aggressively swing, you know, both, both ways, and we've seen that. And – I do believe, though, from the Christian side, we don't appreciate process enough and allowing for some things to happen. You know I'm with you 100% on the protection of women and, and, and men to be held accountable, and I am so happy. I mean, it feels like every week that another Christian leader mm -hmm. <laughs> is being called to the mat on something, which I love. Like, that should happen. And but it is almost a little rare to hear Christian women um, maybe appre no, I don't say appreciating, but talking about someone's process. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and not even that they have to. Like I'm not even saying like they don't have to even get involved in that. It's just you don't hear it that much. And I think that is part of the conversation. When I when I even think about my my own life. And I think about when Lacey and I first started, like, first of all, I'm so thankful there wasn't social media, mm -hmm. like when I was in college and right. all of that, right? And because there, there are things I probably would have posted, pictures I probably would have had, 
that not only would I be embarrassed about now, but someone could have framed a narrative about me that is so blatantly not true at 43 years old. And I even think about when Lacey and I first started dating, I my trajectory was in the right place, but a whole heck of, I had to deal with so much to get rid of. And mm. had had that been put on public display all the time or had someone had a mic to my mouth or like, I don't, I don't know how that would have ended up. I don't even know if I'd be able to be a pastor to some degree right now it, because I, my trajectory was going in the right place. And Lacey was, I don't know, a zillion steps ahead of me in maturity and faith and all of that. And, and she was literally like pulling me along for a mm. long, long period of time where, I mean, if I'm honest, if Lacey had been like, hey, let's have sex, I'm like, done. I mean, like you, like in, and I was trying to take my faith really seriously. It was like she was the one that was, like, really in the right frame of mind. She was the one that was leading the entire thing, and I needed that, coupled with some men and like learning on my own and putting away childish things and making some boundaries decisions for my for myself and all of that. And so, but there was a trajectory for me that I I don't know. Like we don't leave room for that sometimes. I, yeah. let, me, let me say this, Matt. I, th- maybe we could frame it this way. There are two errors with masculinity. There's abusive and there's avoidant. And I think we have lived with abusive masculinity and it became a cultural norm that everyone basically said, well, it's just the way it is. That's what a man is. I think we have swung now to some avoidant masculinity which I believe, and I, if you want to put the word leadership in there, a, avoidant leadership wounds people sometimes more than abusive leadership because at least you're like, oh, that guy's coming in the room. I got to protect myself. Avoidant leadership is much more passive and subtle, but very damaging. So I think that might help us frame the thing. Like we need to speak against abusive leadership, masculinity, and we need to speak against avoidant masculinity. Yeah, I'll hashtag me too. I'm all on a me too. I will like me too. And like I'm all in like that is a reality. Um but I I do think there has to be a place for men to grow and learn and and cuz there is also like and this doesn't justify a single thing. But it's like all of the things that the me like the me too movement is coming against and should be and all the people that are um you know another 86 year old man like abuse six women like the like all these things that were hit like all of the people in their 40s and 50s right now were raised by all of those men or not raised right and then heroes yeah and so there's like all of this generational thing that also gets needs to get flushed out and worked out and all that stuff too and we do have to leave again not justifying a single thing but it you got to leave some room for someone's trajectory and the other thing, I would say one more thing. Perfect example, yesterday at Hill City. So I uh, spoke at all the services. And I, you know, they, Hill City does this great thing where you talk to people for two minutes and you, you know, it's just great. So I got to talk to this couple and um, they were getting, they were, they were, they're getting married. And I asked um, about what are you going to do with the honeymoon? And um, the guy was like, well, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Europe maybe. And, and then, so, so I engaged him. And then after the service, his fiance came up and talked to me and, and I'm like, well, what are you gonna do on the honeymoon? And she's like, we're going to go here and we're going to go here and we're going to go here. And I looked at him and I'm like, you know, like, 
And he was like, you know, like, okay. Like, and, 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 um, and then I got to talking to her a little more and I just discerned, this is maybe wrong, but my pastoral like instincts kicked in and I'm like, oh, she wants him to, she's, this is hard for her. And I, and, and even, I think she's a little bit more spiritually attuned, just uh, observation. I could be wrong, but I think there is this thing when, like when, when men are appropriately, well, biblically masculine, whatever word we want to use, when they are appropriately masculine, everybody wins, everybody wins. And I think that that, and we should not, um, we should not back off from, from talking about that and saying that that's an okay thing to pursue. And that's my concern with some of the avoidant masculinity right now. It's like, you almost feel embarrassed. Like I, like when I talk, I, I feel like I have to nuance and, and give disclaimers so much that I put the Q-tip on the sword, which what that means is I'm not going to penetrate the heart of a hardened hearted guy, normal guy in the pew. So now we've just exacerbated the same problem again because we're afraid of being outed as some toxic male. And so I think we have to recognize that. And at the same time, like you said, it's about time that there's accountability for toxic masculinity. Yeah, I guess I just want to – I agree with what you're saying. Um, I guess I just always want to add because I can hear the voice yelling <laughs> at their radio. I always say somebody's yelling at their radio <laughs> or right. like yelling at their AirPods right <laughs> well, now. How dare they have that? <laughs> and I just want to – I guess I want to acknowledge that. Just like we do with race, right? Like we have to – when we talk about race, we have to say, look, we are white – like as a white person, yeah. I need to acknowledge that Absolutely. it's easy for me to say X, Y, Z. So in the same way, it's like as men, especially as like – you know, we're straight men, right? Like it's easy – we need to acknowledge that it's easy for us when Matt Damon gets canceled over what is a pretty much an inert like pushback. It's easy for us as men to say, now – Let's calm down and be reasonable. We just have to – I'm not saying that's not right. I'm not saying that there does need to be a voice of like, okay, everybody calm down. Like we can't just cancel everybody. However, we just – I feel like we should acknowledge that it's easier for us. If a woman were to step up and be like, ladies, you know, leave Matt alone. <laughs> I mean, leave Matt like, like – And there are women whatever. who do that. And they are. Yeah. There are. It right. takes a lot more for them to do that. Yeah, you know, it's like more is at stake. Yes. It's kind of like if – I mean, if we were all playing poker and for some reason, Darren, you had to push everything in, but but for whatever reason, the rules were slanted where where John and I just had to ante one chip. It's like we have to acknowledge that it's a little like, yeah, it's like you're pushing more in. It's like know? the difference between, you know, breakfast being, uh, you know, eggs or uh, bacon. You know, the chicken is committed. <laughs> Pigs all in. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. Right. So absolutely. Totally, yeah. Good, yeah. And I think you're right, too, about the, like, stepping up. One thing I had to learn, because I'm going to be, like, more on the, uh, I don't know, whatever, a, I can't remember what Sachs calls it, like, atypical side of of the gender, right, Um, in my own marriage, was when she said, I don't know where I want to go to dinner. She wants me to pick where we go to dinner, (laughs) but I don't want to pick where we go to dinner because I'm afraid she won't like it. She also wants the right to not like my choice, but I didn't get that for the longest time. I thought like, no, babe, I want to go wherever you want to go. Like, let's go to dinner. I want to buy you dinner. When she says, I don't know, what that means is I want you to pick. And listen, even Jenny and I, Jenny's his wife, like we've had like just kind of fun conversations, you know, since you've been working here and we always will joke about certain things and, and I'll never forget one time just standing right next to the sound booth. And, and I said, I said, Matt is way tougher 
and way more resilient. And I even used, I said competitive, that's why I brought it up earlier, way more competitive than he'll ever want to tell anybody, you know? And she goes, I know. She goes, and I love it when I see that come out. Like, there's something even there within women that love, because I, I fully believe that when a man is operating with the fruit of the spirit, like the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all the things that some of them aren't manly things, quote unquote, um, that women also feel the fullest versions of themselves. Yes. Like men is the fullest and so are women. And so a, a woman is going to be like, no, I love that version of you, you know? And so there is that part um, just without everything to it. And even the way we think is different. Uh, when you brought when you brought up earlier about just like how we think differently. So Galentine's, this is a little off topic, but Galentine's, they make all the decorations. And this is like a perfect example, I think, of just how men and women think differently. They make these decorations and um, Lacey sends me a picture of the de- decorations and I go, you know that's a penis, right? <laughs> there were balloon, like balloon decorations, right? It is a and long pink balloon. A long pink balloon. And... <laughs> Just like a sea of them, and they're like trying to like run through them and like all this other stuff. And like, and they had a blue ball pit, and I'm like, no one thinks of this stuff, you know. And so, and all the balls are blue, (laughs) so it just like this is the greatest thing I've heard in a long time. This is amazing, but like, it was just like an example of how, like, it's just there's some things that are just it is the way it is, and you just gotta embrace that part of it, right? (laughs) Anyway, too funny. Well, can we please, can I please get those pictures of that? We somehow? have them so Oh boy, do we have pictures. Uh, that would be a perfect example of me being like, oh. remember when I was talking about how I wish we had an HR department last night? <laughs> um, cool. Well, Darren, uh, before we close it out, is there any sort of like parting thoughts or, or things you want to yeah. share? Things you want to push? This is a thing on podcasts where you're supposed to self-promote. Yeah. <laughs> you got any books coming out? Yeah. Well, I mean. I did write a, I wrote a couple books, one by myself and one with my wife. And we called it the dude's guide um, because um, I was trying to think of a word that captured, you know, um, kind of popularized and, and familiarized men. And dude seemed, you know, it's, it's kind of lasted. It's, I think it started in the 80s. Um, and, but it's just this idea of like, what does it mean to be a God-honoring man? And I, it was my best w- effort to really, actually, before the, the term was really invoked, to go after toxic masculinity and to say, what is a man? Um, and then the same thing with women, um, with with, uh, with marriage. My, you know, the, the men don't read, you know, men don't go to church and men don't read books. Women read. So it's like, could I write a marriage book that a man would read? Um, and that really came out of my work with professional athletes and, um just trying to go, you know, how do we how do we help my wife and I? So the dude's guide to manhood, the, good, the dude's guide to marriage, and what I would just say is, you know, as you're listening to this, it, pay attention to where you've been tweaked and triggered, and be curious about that. You like how I got the name? In? <laughs> Stay curious about that, because um, that's probably where some wounding is, and a lot of times we operate out of our wounds, and I think opportunities like this where we hear maybe a different perspective or we're challenged on a established belief, we're tempted to like attack. And I think a, a good thing to do when you're tempted to attack and, and tempted to send a fire emails to go, okay, what's going on in me? Like what's happening in me right now? And that's what I would say. And I would also say like, listen, I think the Bible 
it doesn't speak to areas of science. It doesn't speak to areas of, um, you know, po- every nuance of politics. But I think it does speak to the issues of, of male, uh, biblical masculinity and femininity. And I think I would say, uh, and homework would be, dive in and let's let's let the text examine us. And um, because at the end of the day, um, you know, Genesis one says he created them male and female and, and, and marriage. Um, and when not everybody's married, but the picture of marriage is supposed to be the picture and, and model in a sense or image of the Trinity, um, self affirm, self giving other affirming love. That's what we're supposed to be, whether we're married or not. And so that's what men and women have the opportunity to be is to be a picture of what God's like. And I think we model that in every way we relate, whether it's personal, online, and whatever. And so respectful, honoring the differences, and trying to pursue what God wants us to be. Awesome. Thanks so much for that word, Darren. And thanks to everyone out there for listening. Um, rate and review us if you haven't already, and make sure to share the the episode. Um, and if you want had, if you have questions, quips, quotes, uh, or comments, you can email them to staycurious at hillcityrva.com. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at staycuriouspod, and you can follow us on the bad website Twitter at staycuriouscast. Um, thanks, everyone, for joining us, and remember, as always, to stay curious. <laughs>